You're listening to the Porch Time Podcast. I'm so excited. Are we doing this? I think we're doing this. Mm -hmm. Here we go. I'm back. (laughs) Took me long enough. It's August and it's the start of August. So what better way to bring the podcast back? Finally, thank you all for your amazing patience these last couple months. You know, it's been so busy, so hectic, planning a wedding if you've been following along and being a business owner and just life. I realized I couldn't do it all, but I love this podcast way too much to leave you all hanging. So we're back, we're back, we're back. I know you've heard me say this a million times, but like we're really back this time. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to do a whole episode on the wedding because it was just truly breathtaking in every way like it exceeded every expectation I could have ever imagined and I have big expectations you guys um but this feels like the perfect episode to kick back off the porch time pod with this is with Maria Villela she is my microneedling and acupuncturist so I met her leading up to the wedding a really good friend of mine who we're gonna have on the podcast Katie hi she connected me with her because she was going there for acupuncture and microneedling. And, you know, leading up to the wedding, I was Googling, I was doing all these things. I was like, what are the best things to prep for your wedding? And every article talked about microneedling and how it's the best preventative, natural thing that you could do ever. And I was so enthralled. I've been hearing about it forever. Never actually thought to do it. Had been looking far and wide for a place, but, you know, so expensive. Ended up connecting with Maria and she's incredible. Her prices are so competitive and affordable compared to what's out there. She's really, really smart and knowledgeable about all things integrative medicine and and hormonal health and specifically like helping women in so many areas of their life, you know, balancing their hormones like I just mentioned, pre-pregnancy, during pregnancy, post-pregnancy, like postpartum care, all these things. And I'm just, after my first session with her, I was like, oh my God, I love this girl. I love her energy. I love her practice. I, she's a mother. I just like, I'm so interested in everything that she's teaching me. And we started at microneedling and then we ended up doing acupuncture because I had a knee injury and she really helped me with that one. Um, And then slowly we started focusing the acupuncture around hormonal balancing because I was experiencing all these like stress-related and hormonal and like adult acne breakouts that I that I hadn't gotten before because my body was detoxing off birth control the last couple years and just all these things and she really created a routine and a balance and supplements that really worked well for me and I saw incredible results each month I would look forward so much to our time together. We really built a relationship and I was like, I need to interview you, Maria. Like I need the world to hear from you, to learn from you, to work with you. Um, so we chatted in June before I headed off to the wedding. So this was pre-recorded then and um, I just can't wait for you all to hear her and to hopefully see her. She's so special and we're probably going to have multiple um, podcasts together just because episodes together because she has so much knowledge to give and we kind of focused like we honed in on this episode on my specific questions about my experience like microneedling hormonal balance birth control all these you know topics Um, and I just love her approach and I love the way that she really create like combines integrative medicine in the best way I just it's awesome Um, So I can't wait for you guys all to learn from her. This feels like the perfect episode to bring it back, like I mentioned, and we have so many more coming your way. And as always, message us, let us know if there's anyone you want to hear from, um, what you want to see from us, all the things. And if you're new here, welcome. My name is Jenny Drew, and I started this podcast in connection to my brand, All the Babies, which is matching baby and adult basics made here in LA cozy organic and with a give back model and we're in a huge business transition right now as we you know work in our next steps of business for our four-year anniversary of launching a subscription and super exciting things um 
So this podcast was just an extension of wanting to learn more, of wanting to interview doulas, you know, um, moms, hear birth stories, learn, talk to you guys, talk about self-esteem. They they sort of became like therapy sessions for me. So I wanted to bring you all along to these and talk to founders and the list goes on and on. So if you're here, thank you. You know, it's all about just learning and growing and having vulnerable conversations and I'm so grateful to be doing that with all of you. So without further ado, here is Maria Villela. I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. Let us know if you have any other questions and this is going to be an ad-free episode as we just welcome back the the podcast and new episodes are going to be every Friday now, every week. Um, So enjoy those and stay tuned at the end of the episode to hear how you can find Maria, how you can support her, how you can see her, all the things. And just thank you for listening. Share this podcast at the Porch Time Pod and enjoy. Thanks, guys. Hi, Jenny. Hello, beauty. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me all right? Yes, this is so fun. <laughs> I know. I'm excited. This is my Florida clinic. <laughs> oh, gosh. There yeah. she is. How's this? Good? That's perfect. You look okay. great. Oh, great. I've been running around all day. I ran out of gas this morning. <laughs> Who does that at 42 years old? I was like, I've never done that in my life. <laughs> So what, you were just stuck on the side of the road? Like what went down? Yeah, I had to call AAA. All of a sudden, I knew it was like cutting it close, but I like didn't think it was going to be that close. So You're like I saw it went to hit zero. I had reserved mileage. <laughs> yeah, what happened to that? <laughs> well, ignore how I look. I just got back from a hot sculpt class because my day was like, when you said you were available, I was like, perfect. My class ends at one. Like I'll sprint back home. I'll like, Eat a quick sandwich and we'll have the best time. Yeah, it'll be amazing. That's great. Um, To start, obviously, I think that you can introduce yourself better than I ever could. But it's been, just so all the listeners know for context, I met you through Katie, who's one of my good friends. And can you hear me? I want to make sure. Yeah, I'm just causing some because I don't want to have that in the background. (laughs) There you go. I just realized it was on. Yes. Yeah. Like, me- I met you through uh-huh. Katie. Thank God, because you are my micro needling acupuncture angel pre wedding. And I've just had the best time working with you and learning from you and hearing brief inklings of your story and like the way that you combine Eastern medicine, obviously, to solve problems from within. And so I've just noticed the best benefits. I've been doing my liver cleanse, which I love. I've been doing the acupuncture has helped so much. Obviously, the microneedling, I'm like, ah. I know. I felt like everybody deserved to get a little taste of the pie and, and all the things that make you you. So can you introduce yourself, who you are, what you do? And then we'll go from there. Okay. Love it. Okay. My name is Maria Valella and I'm an acupuncturist. I have been studying acupuncture, I guess for, I've been in school was probably like over almost 15 years ago. And then I've been practicing for, um, you know, close to 10. If you, I guess it hasn't been quite 15, maybe like 12 or something, but 10 years of practice. Um, if you include like the clinical portion, um, and I went into acupuncture school already um, knowing what I wanted to do with it. I was pretty clear because I had been teaching yoga for a number of years and I knew I wanted to do some kind of medicine, but I had such a positive experience with acupuncture when I had a back injury that I was like, okay, that's it. And then what I really, really loved about acupuncture is that um, it was It was growing in the culture, like acceptance of Eastern medicine, acupuncture seemed like the one that had the most kind of like credibility and the best results. And, um, and it was integrating into the medical system. So you could actually bill insurances if you choose to, and 
there was studies like research that was supporting its efficacy. And I liked that because I didn't want to, I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to feel confident in what it was that I was doing. And so that was important to me. Um, And the other thing I really, really loved about acupuncture was that it was incredibly effective for women's health and Mm. affordability. And I knew going into acupuncture school, that's, that was what I wanted to focus on because I know for myself and for female friends, how frustrating it is when you're having hormonal imbalances and yeah, and there's no answers for those hormonal um, issues. So it was a real frustration for me and my life. And I wanted to be able to help women so they didn't have to go through that. And, and it's crazy. Cause it's like, I guess on some level, there's a part of me that's like, man, I wish I went to med school and then acupuncture school. And if I was more confident when I was like entering into college, I would have done that, but I didn't believe I was smart enough for med school, mm-hmm. which is crazy because I had like, you know, high 3.89 average. Like I totally could have done it if I just focused and believed in myself, but also, I'm kind of not so upset about it either, because I think once you've learned the Western medicine mindset, it's very different than the Eastern medicine mindset. Totally. To, like change the way you're thinking in order to embody and to practice this medicine. And I think it would be kind of conflicting to be like, wait, which there's almost too many tools in the toolbox. Whereas where I'm at right now, it's like I know my tools really, really well. And I know I know them better than any doctor would know, like any MD, because I've only focused on that. And yet I also understand Western medicine enough to know when it's really important, when it's really effective, and when I can Mm. refer to the doctor and be like, this is not, this is your best path. And so I've always been, I'm really a fan of like integrative. I'm not like, you know, I, I really, you know, there's a time and a place for every medicine and no medicine is bad. It's just some of it's used at the wrong times. And that's mm. where the problem are. <laughs> totally. Totally. And what's yeah. the process of, of becoming like a certified, is that the, the word certified like, acupuncturist? Like what do you have to do? Yeah. So it's a, it's a five, four year master program. Wow. And then choose to continue in California and I'm licensed in California and in Florida. Some states are a little more lax. California is one of, of course, is one of the states that has the stricter regulations. But that being said, it's really great. And I'm happy I got licensed there, even if I never practiced in California again, because the level of education is superior. Like it's really good. We learn a ton of biomed and a lot of Eastern and we have a lot of clinical, we actually do more classroom hours. I remember somebody telling me this and I, I believe it's still true, but more classroom hours than an MD, they just do a lot more clinical hours, but interesting. we just, isn't that interesting? I think it's still true. I hope I'm not misspeaking, but I believe that's actually, you know, um, but we do a ton of like, the program is not easy to get through, especially because you, you know, I grew up in, the U.S. right so I grew up thinking you go to a doctor you get antibiotics I never my parents were pretty holistic my mom worked in a chiropractor's office my dad's from Italy so his mother like found herbs in their farm and like (laughs) they had all these things that they did when you had a cold so I did never grew up with a lot my parents weren't big medicine people um so I think I was kind of primed from that but I um I still grew up thinking about the body as like physical structure, not energy. And in Eastern medicine, it's both. There's the physical, but there's also the energy. And it's very much so tied to nature. And it's very much mm. so integrated with like your organ systems are not just the organ. There's imbalances that happen that show up emotionally. And it can show up as different emotions coming through based on where the imbalance is in the organs. So it's such an amazing comprehensive system. And I specialize in women's health and I really love like the fertility and hormone balancing. And I love, yes, that. I want to talk about that today. I keep yeah. going, keep going. And I love the, the holistic facial aesthetics, which are like such a passion of mine because I think for women, there's so much pressure to like, you know, not age or age gracefully. And 
we know so much about like the beauty industry and the products and the amount of like carcinogenic ingredients in the products and then the experimental nature of some of the beauty right you know and look there's a it's just like everything else a time and a place but I think you know most women I speak to even if they're going down like the Botox filler route they still want to like look like themselves and the reality is those are really strong medicines and they are they work really well they're super effective but sometimes they can kind of start to change your face you know and you have to be and I think most people just want to like age and look healthy or most of my clients anyhow want to age and look healthy and still look like themselves and everything I do, I really believe in because I know I'm not doing any harm with it. And I know that whatever I do is like really good for the skin. Like it's just may not be as effective as Botox or fillers. Like, you know, you'll still maybe have some lines or movements, but it is going like, to, you're going to look well rested and you're going to look like you know, rejuvenated and you feel good and, and it's, and it's genuinely actually like really, really good for your skin. So and I feel good. I'm seeing you <laughs> after a session with you. I'm like, Ooh, I look good. I, I look good. I good. But being said, those are my focuses, but as an acupuncture, right. you wind up being a generalist because right. the medicine is so comprehensive. I treat pain. I have clients on cholesterol medications. So I'm wind up like consulting with them about things they can do to help offset the effects of those medicines. You know, it's like, it's, it's great. It's really, and, you know, and, and I think that that's the other piece is that it is holistic and it is integrative medicine. And I can't, I can't see somebody for fertility or facial and ignore everything else going on in their health history, because if they're malnourished, their skin's not going to be good. If they're malnourished, their hormones are going to be out of balance. If they haven't been sleeping, you know, they're just, they're not going to radiate health if they're unhealthy. So I have to, I have to like kind of work on it all, you know? So I love that. So for the, for the listeners that are, you know, just now getting into acupuncture maybe, or don't fully understand what it is, or it's like, I think I used to be intimidated by acupuncture before I understood it and the benefits of it. So can you give us a very layman's term definition of what acupuncture is and what like a visit to you looks like, for example? For sure. Um, Well, I, I'm an acupuncturist and I see a lot of people in person in office and that's ideal. Cause I can see them, get a sense of them. We can talk, I can look at their tongue, their pulse, which are two big diagnostic tools. But I also do a lot of telemedicine where I work off of signs and symptoms and health history and sometimes even blood work. So I do some functional medicine as well. Um, and I love both and both are great and effective. Acupuncture itself is one of the modalities I use and one of my favorite modalities. And basically what it is, is I insert teeny tiny needles. Like they're so small. When people hear needles, they're like, I'm afraid of needles, but they're thinking they don't hurt. They don't hurt. They don't. Some of them sting a tiny bit when they're inserted. If there's a lot of tension in that pain, but it goes away really quickly Um, And I use Japanese needles, which are very gentle. And so it, to me, it's important that the person's nervous system can settle because that's part of the healing that their nervous system settles. So if they're really afraid of the needles or it hurts or it's aggressive, they're not going to get as much benefit, I feel. Um, And uh, so you insert the needles and the needles are inserted in points along energy meridians and all the points have special functions in the body. And what's amazing about acupuncture is, and there's still, you know, we don't fully understand why or how it works because it's such a different paradigm, but they have done studies and they've looked at the brain and what they've seen is that the frontal lobe of the brain lights up when the needles are inserted. And that's the frontal lobe is like higher order thinking, meditation, healing. So we know it works on the nervous system. And so it's really great for like nerve conditions or nervous system issues, but most everything really tracks back to the nervous system, like pain, hormonal imbalances go back to like the brain and the anterior pituitary. So it's amazing because it's like you, you go to these points along the peripheral nervous system, and then it like sends 
a message through to the central nervous system and then has a really calming, relaxing effect. Um, and, and it points like if there's pain, I'll do more of like a, a musculoskeletal type treatment where I'm actually putting needles into the pain points that are right more into the muscle and the muscle might even jump a little bit, but um, I always needle within the meridian channels and do all my diagnosis within the meridians. And um, yeah, and then there's cupping and guasha and moxa. Like there's so many cool things you can you do. You do it all. You do it all. Yeah, I love it all. I love it oh all. Oh my and God. Not everyone, not everyone needs those things. And it's right. not, you, know, you pick the tool that works for that person, which is kind of fun. You're like a mixed master. <laughs> So many questions. Okay. First question. Thank you for that amazing definition. I think that's so clear. And that's what I've noticed in working with you. It's just the relaxation that hits my whole body and the difference you feel after the session like that for me, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to keep coming back for this because we started for my knee injury and then we started expanding through the body. And then I noticed like, like you said, little pressure points muscles, like I would be like, Whoa, that's tingly. And then it would just be this full body release that you can't explain. It's just, yeah. And you know, and this is another thing I always tell people is like the difference between Eastern medicine and Western is like in Eastern medicine, the idea is that like we give the body as a practitioner, we give the body a message to heal itself but the body heals itself. So people don't come to me. I'm not like magician. I know a lot of things about a system that works, but it's different than like you go and you get on a medication and the doctor fixes you. So there's a little bit of like, what's amazing is it awakens your body's own innate ability to heal itself, which is something Mm -hmm. that is important and so underestimated. Like that is the most empowering thing we can do for ourselves to like know and trust that our bodies are built and designed to heal themselves because we've forgotten that. We think that we need to take a medication for everything that happens when most of the things are like the body's natural response to an illness, to an injury, like even inflammation, a certain amount of it is like good. Like that's part of the healing process. Mm. Oh, and we just get over inflamed because our bodies are so inundated with constant injury from our environment and from our lifestyle. But it's, um, it's really, I think that's the, the biggest, that's the other part that makes me feel really good about it is that I do feel like if I give somebody herbs, they're not expected to be on them for the rest of their life. It's for a period of time until their body's physiology changes mm. and until they start to see shifts and then they are done. Um, so I'm not creating dependency, which is great. In certain cases, people have imbalances and they do need to stay on things, even pharmaceuticals forever. You know, right. it might be the lesser evil, but it's really nice when you realize that, okay, this was something that helped me get to a place and now I can go. <laughs> so now true. I, yeah. It's such a good way to look at it because I think like in the U.S. specifically, we've gotten so comfortable being uncomfortable, like Oh, not feeling oh. our best, needing the quick fix. Like my parents got me off antibiotics when I was like three, they stopped giving it to me. And I yeah. see the physical difference. Like I knock on wood, never get sick, maybe once a year, a minor cold, but I'm like, like, you know, I feel like my body just knows how to naturally heal and fight and heal quickly. Like when I got my knee injury, for example, like I healed way quicker than the doctors thought all these things. Sure. I'm young and all that, but I take the necessary supplements. I do the necessary things. I see you, I listen to my body and it's so important. You, you know, you said, I want to make sure I understood you. You said that we've gotten so used to being uncomfortable. Is that right? But I actually think it's a little bit of both. I think we've gotten so used to being uncomfortable to the point where it's like, your frog in a water and the water temperature just keeps getting hotter and you don't realize you're in boiling water. But there's another piece that we're so afraid of discomfort that we won't sit with a cold for a week and let our body. We won't sit with a certain amount of like 
the body's natural healing time or a slower process. Like we want an immediate fix. And in certain cases that happens with acupuncture. Like I've had people with tweak necks, they walk out of my office and they're good. But sometimes it's like, there's chronic things that just take a long time for the body to shift, but you're getting to the root of the problem. And when the problem changes, the body is healed and it's gone back to heart, to homeostasis, to balance. So Oh, it's so good. Like I literally, this is such a fascinating topic to me. I want to talk about, because obviously a lot of women are listeners. We have moms to be that are listeners. We have current moms. We just have females in general that like want to get on a healthy kick or want to learn about these things. So I would love to hear from you about, let's start with balancing hormones because I think that's such a big one what Mm. do you think are the necessary steps to balance your hormones I know it's different for everyone but like as a acupuncturist and what you specialize in if I was coming to you for example like I am actually so we can talk about me um with you know the first time having all these breakouts and all these dermatologists are saying it's hormonal acne, it's hormonal acne, take this, do this. Whereas you're like, actually, Jenny Drew, let's look from within. I think it's a liver issue. Like, how can we address that? Like, I think your liver needs a cleanse. So can you just go about how you would treat hormones for a woman specifically? Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, and, and like you said, it's very different and all of the protocols have to be tailored to one person. Um, because we're all so unique and, you know, any disease comes from very different, like let's take PCOS, which is such a common, you know, condition these days. Right. And there's women who are obese and have PCOS and there's women who are like very, very thin and have PCOS and the treatment would be very different for them. Um, and so, but in general, both are blood on some level, like a blood sugar management issue. One is just under like going more towards like a low blood sugar and the other is going to a high blood sugar. And then either way it winds up with dysfunctional blood sugar regulation. And just because the woman is thin too, like there's some women who are thin, but they're like sugar addicts. Right. And so, um, it's not the hundred percent whole full picture of PCOS, but it's a good part of it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, one of the more Western treatments for PCOS is metformin, which is a diabetes medication. And it works pretty well for it actually for fertility. Sometimes I tell clients to get, um, to get on it, you know, but they don't have to, there's other things that can be done. Um, but for hormone balance, I really, you always have to look at lifestyle and, And the reason is, it's like I said, like, I have to get people independent of me ultimately. And also, food is like the number one medicine. We take herbs, we take supplements, but how many times do you eat a day or how many times should you eat during a day is better said. So that is really like important. And most of us need more proteins and more healthy fats Mm. than more. Most of us need to eat more often. A lot of us eat sugars, carbohydrates, and caffeine to go during the day, and then alcohol to sedate us in the evening so we can sleep and or marijuana. But those are, you know, those are all stimulants or sedatives. And it's okay. I'm all for everybody like living and enjoying their life. And you can handle some of it, but like taken to an extreme you're going to feel bad. And when people just change their diet and they start integrating whole foods, real foods, not like products that you buy at a supermarket that are packaged. I don't care if they're organic or they're conventional. If it comes in a bag, it's still, there's better ones that, you know, have better ingredients and you should absolutely be looking at the oils and, but whole foods is like number one and getting good. Can you give specifics when it comes to food examples too. Like, I don't think a lot of people actually know what healthy fats are, or a lot of people know what's good whole food. So like what you would add into the diet, if you were wanting. For sure. Um, when it comes to some people can tolerate dairy and if it's organic, 
good quality, even like raw milks, raw cheeses, grass-fed butters. Those are healthy sources of fat and but a lot of people can't really tolerate them and they cause like phlegm or mucus. I'm one of those people where I have to be careful what kinds of dairies and how much I have. So I don't do a lot of dairy. It doesn't work for my system, um, but it is a good thing. Eggs are good. Meats are good. Um, fish, wild caught fish. Great. Cause they have so many great omegas. Um, Grass fed meats are wonderful. Uh, chickens, poultries, all turkeys, um, vegetables. I mean, you almost can't eat enough vegetables, like getting as many different varieties of green leafy vegetables and cabbages. And some people can't quite digest them because their digestive acids are a little weak and it takes a little bit of time for them to build up a microbiome, um, a gut environment that can right. handle otherwise they get really gassy and bloated so you have to be careful with it but over time just increasing the and starting with more cooked vegetables and over time you can probably handle like more of a raw salad depending on your constitution and what's going on um and i think that the most people should be focusing on like at least 100 grams of protein a day depending on wow. your eyes yeah I don't get that even. That's a lot. But like to get like really good, but I do, I integrate it where I can and um, 60 to hundred, which is a big, huge thing, but you know, half your body weight, at least in grams of protein. Okay. Good to know. Then lots of vegetables, as many as you can variety, all different colors, all different kinds, all different flavors. And some fruits, but fruits are still sugar. So you don't want to go crazy with them, but they have lots of other properties, antioxidants. So to integrate some fruit is good. And then I think where we tend to go overboard is like the grains and the sugars. And I think keeping those to a minimum, I really do encourage most of my clients to go like kind of gluten-free or get really, really good sourdough breads, which are like live cultures that have like the bacteria to digest the gluten. But even that, like if anybody has autoimmunity, I'm like, no gluten, stay away from grains, you know, and it's just they're they're sugars. Some grains have like really good properties. Like I actually need a little bit. I do well with like some grains, but I stay away from gluten, but I need it for the energy because I exercise a lot and I need to burn it and and it fills me up like, I, and I actually feel better when I have a little bit, but I can't do a meal. That's all grains. I have okay. to have proteins. And that's me personally. And I've come to this over years of trial and error and going through different diets. Um, when it comes to healthy fats, the biggest thing I like, I want everybody to know is like for cooking, you really want to temp an oil that can oils are so important and like seed oils are not good. Um, when you're getting packaged foods or even like cooked foods in like um, a grocery store, a lot of times they're using like canola and seed oils. So even though it's okay to do it a little bit, they shouldn't be like the majority of your diet. It's best when you're cooking to use something like coconut oil or avocado oil because they can withstand the higher temperatures. And then virgin olive oil, I'm Italian, of course. So like I grew up on it. Yeah, and I eat my dad imports it from Italy and like, I get like tons of like great. So, but drizzle it on everything. Cause it's such a good, healthy fat. Olives are amazing. Avocados are amazing. I know all things that I love. I love my fats. Um, and coconuts are great. Um, so like just, and butters like grass fed butter. That's one dairy thing that I actually, luckily ghee and butter I can handle. So I integrate those cause they have a lot of, um, like, uh, butyrate, which is also really good for the microbiome. And they're really, they're just great for you overall. And cholesterol has a really bad rap in our culture, but right. there there's, it's important too. Like we need it for our brain and we need it for hormone production. So we want to get our healthy fats for home hormone production too. protein for building muscle. Cause as we age, our muscles decline, and then we have bone density issues and then fats for hormones and like 
just lubricating everything. Right. <laughs> so as oh as in a nutshell, right? So helpful. Wow. Thank you. And then in terms of things that we should like look for in packaging, whether it be in, I know this is like a, a big shift, but in skincare and in food, what are like the top, absolutely, if you see that on the label, like abort, abort, abort. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll just say like with cosmetics, oh, I've become, there's some lines that I really love for like facial stuff and for hair, there's a shampoo I really like. I can say the names of those, but what you really want to look out for is like the parabens and the sulfates. Right. They're like, and, and don't look exactly for the word sulfate because anything that ends in A-T-E is pretty much a sulfate. So sometimes it's Good kind to of, know. Okay. yeah. So it's not just right, but there are, there's lists, like there's actually even like, there's the dirty dozen and the clean 15, which is for foods. Like dirty dozen is like 12 foods that you should never eat unless they're organic. And the clean 15 are like 15 foods that you can get away with eating, even if they're not organic, because they don't absorb the chemicals and pesticides as much. Okay. yeah, so that's a fun little Google search. And then there's lots of companies out there now. Um, there's one that's like one of those triple level marketing and it's like Beauty Counter and they have like a whole list on their website of they're pretty active in like lobbying against this, the um, cosmetic industry and the like personal hygiene and all the things that are not even legal in Europe. Right. That always gets me. The fact that things are illegal in Europe and still legal in California and the U.S. in general, I'm like, yeah, what? I know. I know. It's it is what it is. Right. Oh, God. Okay, that's so helpful. And then in terms, I'm curious your thought if this at all, like because you mentioned looking at somebody's tongue and their pulse. Yeah, I've heard a lot about the tongue stuff. I tongue scrape every morning. Um, I know that's a big one, but I'm curious if that has anything to do with hormones, if that has to do with gut or what, and like how we can self-examine our tongues to know if we're lacking in certain nutrients or pro, you know, I, I don't even know the the smart words for it, but I would love to understand that more. I'm in, I got you. So (laughs) when it comes to tongue or pulse diagnosis, um, I would say if I were better at one, I'd say I'm better at looking at the tongue and getting an overall idea. I'm more of a visual person, although I'm pretty kinesthetic too. I'm going to make you look at my tongue. (laughs) But basically what we look at is we look at a few things. One is like, the shape of the tongue, is it flabby or is it thin? And then we look at the coat, which is like, is it a thick coat? Is there no coat? Is it um, yellow? Or in some cases, believe it or not, like black? Um, Is it uh, spotted? Like there's places where there's a thick cut, and then there's a coat, and then there's places that are like bald. And then we look at the color of the tongue, like some places it could be really pale, or it could be kind of purple, which would mean stagnation. Uh, it could be red, which means heat. And then the tongue itself, like the tip is the heart, the sides are the liver, the middle is like different levels of like intestine, stomach and spleen, um, kidneys. So there's like, when we look at the tongue, it's it's really, I'd say like, if we want to keep it simple, so it's practical, tongue scraping there's a lot of benefits, but if you come to see me, don't scrape your tongue. Cause I want to see what your natural right. coat is. So wait till after you see me. And if you look at your tongue and you see your coat and you have a really thick coat on your tongue, that can mean that like you have more dampness in your system. Mm. What does that mean? This is where it gets a little tricky. So too many cold raw foods can cause dampness in the system um, overeating grains and sugars can cause dampness in the system. Overthinking, overworking, overexercising, overdoing life can also cause dampness in the system. Another hidden cause of dampness in the system is inflammation. If there's heat, 
then the body creates water to put out the fire. So it's a part of the body's like mechanism to actually cool down inflammation. And then you wind up with dampness and another way of dampness manifesting fat. So a lot of people who are overweight and can't lose weight, it's because their body's so inflamed that their body's not letting go of the water because it's cooling it down. So you have to also clear the inflammation in order to, yeah. And, and then like, you know, that's the big, like the coat is that. And then also if the tongue is really puffy, that's another sign that the body's like, you know, in overdrive and is over-processing. Like it's a sign of a weak spleen, but in Chinese medicine, the spleen is like, it's not necessarily the same as what it is in Western, which is a little bit more immune. Um, it's a little bit more like the pancreas. It's more about digesting and assimilating our nutrients, but also digesting our life, like digesting our emotions, digesting our workload, digesting and living in a way that's kind of balanced. Wow. It's mm-hmm. so fascinating that the body tells you what's wrong with it, like that you could just see what's lacking or what's needed. What constitutes a healthy tongue? So, you know, and everybody's different because there's, this is the other thing. And what makes this medicine an art and a science is that it's never like a straightforward answer. What's healthy for you is going to be what's different than what's healthy for me because you have your constitution. So you might naturally have like a constitutionally like thicker tongue and more spleen weaknesses, but when it gets pathological, like your teeth are jamming into the sides of your tongue and you're like tripping on your tongue when you're talking and your tongue coating is really thick. So you can bring it downward, still kind of full and swollen, but maybe it's not like that bad. Right. But a normal tongue is like, you know, it's not like, like a bright red crimson would be like heat and maybe even toxicity if it was too dark. Um, A pale tongue would be like blood deficiency. So you want somewhere in the middle where it's like red has good color. Um, And then a normal size. So like there's no teeth marks on the side, which would be a sign that it's um, And then, and fairly even tongue coat, but not real thick and furry and not slick either. Cause if it's slick, then it's a sign that like you have heat or dryness in your system, which we also don't want. Right. So it's all like that. Like it's never fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really like everything in life. It's really all a balancing act. I mean, Dr. said it, like the great balancing act. We only listen, but it's really, it's never like you want this. It's never, you want this. You want somewhere in the middle. And we're all like, like we liken it to, taking care of a garden. It's like, you got to take out the weeds, you got to plant the good seeds. And, and that's why this medicine, it's, it's really, it's good to get to understand your body and like to know thyself and like understand where your imbalances are. I like people to look at their labs and know, like, these are the things that come because this is something you got to watch out for forever. You know, just know that like, maybe you're prone to thyroid stuff. Maybe you're prone to and then it's just like knowing that it's like okay I'm going to be a little bit more cautious I'm still going to live my life but I want to be able to maintain these things forever so I'm not going to overdo it in that area but I got a little more leeway here so I'm gonna (laughs) well look at you you're doing it all right you're 42 and every time I see you I'm like liar you must be like 30 (laughs) and you're a mama appreciate and you're it. amazing and you're so smart and I love this conversation and as I was emailing you we, we like I already know we have to have a part two because there's so much to cover but I wanna because yeah. I'm gonna get you out in the next 30 minutes so that you can go to your pure bar class that's I important I exercise I love pure bar but <laughs> I want to ask too then so Again, I'll use myself as an example. So I'm getting married this summer, as you know, and I, we've both talked about obviously starting our family, having babies, and we would probably want to start in the next year, two years. I would say one to three years feels like a sweet spot. So if I'm planning on prepping my body to be this like sanctuary for a baby, what are the best steps to like prenatal care during like pregnancy, like how can you set your body up for success when it comes to 
trying to have a baby, being pregnant, postpartum, all of it. I want the full range of it. In general, what I say is like, nourish yourself as much as you can before. De- okay. Pregnancy in and of itself is one of the more depleting things that a woman goes through in her life. Carrying a baby, they take all your nutrients, they take a lot of your blood. Um, and then postpartum, you are basically taking care of a screaming child, if you, unless you have like a, a very peaceful, easy baby. But you know, you're, you're not sleeping as much. It's very demanding. And especially I only have one child, but I think the first time is just like a shock. You're like, whoa, this is real. (laughs) This is, you know, I used to wake up and just go about my day. And now all of a sudden I've got to answer to like, you know, a newborn first. And it's like, that's your priority. And you're like, wait, but what about all the things I did to keep myself in balance? (laughs) And now I'm more out of balance than ever. And I have this child to take care of. So um, I think preparing for pregnancy, you know, of course, make sure as much as you can, your life is in a place where you can support a child coming through and coming into the world. You have, whether it's through help from family or friends for that postpartum period, get support. Like this, this stuff isn't meant to be done in isolation on your own. It's really meant to be like the child of a community. You're just the parent Mm. that they come through and then you have like, you know, the biggest responsibility to them, but we need support and the children get different things from different people. Of course you want to know you can trust them. Um, but that's just like a practical part, um, but preparing the body, it's like making sure tracking your periods, getting in touch and starting to know like when you're ovulating, whether it's through ovulation predictor kits, or you start doing like natural family planning and taking your basal body temperature or um, wearing a Nova ring or any of those devices that they have, just start to get in touch with when your cycle is. And the more you can integrate like healthy lifestyle practices before pregnancy, the better, like eating well, for sure. Um, taking fish oils, maybe vitamin D, making sure your microbiome, like your gut is working well, your nervous system is calm, you're getting good sleep, all the same things, and possibly integrating herbs or acupuncture. Herbs and acupuncture are really just amazing for balancing hormones and just, you know, a lot of women have, because we live in such a tense culture, we have more blood and energy stagnation. So you might have old endometrial tissue or like lining that hasn't shed and some herbs can help push that out. And, you know, and there's a lot of herbs that have great functions on improving. um, Well, there's supplements that are really great for improving the quality of the eggs and sperm because women take a lot of responsibility for fertility, but, and, male sperm count has gone down significantly over the past 20 years for a lot of different reasons. And male factor infertility is actually, they're estimating it's about 40%, but you know, it could be even more. So it's not, it happens on us and we're always, and women are more proactive about their health than men. Like try to get a man to go to an acupuncturist. It's a tougher sell than a female. (laughs) You know, it's shifting. I do have a good amount of male clients now. Um, They're all there because of their wives. (laughs) But it's, um, it's, it's important for both sides to be taking responsibility for that to like doing taking maybe the supplements to get better egg quality. And what are the what would those supplements be, for example? Yeah, like I always love fish oils, but um, right. CoQ10 is probably, I like ubiquinol because it's the more broken down form, but the, that's probably like one of the most um, important, if I were going to say one, and it's both genders, I would say ubiquinol is probably the most important. But depending again on what's going on, there's certain things that if somebody had PCOS, I'd direct them to some other things. Right. Um, depending on their age. Some women, if you're like in your 20s, you may not need CoQ10 you know, you might not be at the point, but if you're in like your thirties, maybe it's a good idea. If you've had a lot of illnesses and you've been sick, I might say, you know what, maybe it's a good idea to get on it anyhow, or you've had a lot of 
for it. Um, and uh, I love the herbs. I love acupuncture. So I think that if you really are like, you know, women want to do this differently. And I think in Santa Monica, right in LA and the West side, we're a little bit like, maybe we're a little overboard with our like wellness routines. Sometimes with my clients, I'm like, just go and have a glass of wine or just like go right. have a coffee. Don't worry about it. Cause we can go, you really, it's like the 80, 20 rule really applies. Like do 80%, but let go that 20% and live your life. And totally. it's like, there's all these things in our environment. And if you become obsessive compulsive and you're dealing with anxiety to try and be perfect, like you're doing more damage to yourself and you're kind of sabotaging the process. So you really got to live hundred percent. Yeah. And on the same, on the same vein, would you say, let's say a woman was trying for like a year to get pregnant and doing all that she could doing all those things and was having difficulty is acupuncture also something that could help kind of with fertility in that sense as well, like unlock those hormones or like, do you have any clients like that? Yeah. I mean, it now if they're in their forties, and they're, they've been going for a year. So they, they used to say by Western standards that at one year it's infertility. Now they've changed it to six months, but that's also coincides with IVF being more readily available and more of like really effective. So I don't really think that most women need to like rush off to an IVF clinic if at six months they're not pregnant, but they there's one year it's infertility. And they, that's Can't like that just be poor planning or for sure. There's so many reasons for it. There's so many reasons for it. But if somebody's in their late thirties, forties, and it's been a year, you know, I'm not going to mess around with them. And I don't, I don't mess around with anybody, but I'm going to, I'm going to look, do due diligence and I'm going to run some of their hormones to see like, do you have diminished ovarian reserve? And I don't want to give this six months of trying acupuncture, like I want you simultaneously being like looking at IVF as a reality that you might have to go down. You know, if somebody's in their twenties and it's been a year and I like check their, I still would check their numbers. Cause I don't know. I've seen some pretty early, like onset menopause. I not like twenties, not so far. I haven't seen that, but it's not, it's not outrageous that it could happen. So and, and there's other complications that can also, so I'm very, I'm, I do integrate, I'm a fertility specialist within acupuncture. So I belong to a fellowship called ABORM. And within that, like we, we really study a lot of the Western interventions for fertility. So I'm really familiar with them. And I kind of, I, a lot of them are important and there's certain things that can really help you get pregnant quicker um and not have to go down the some so I'm saying not have to go down the IVF right. but a lot of women actually choose it and a lot of right. people choose it and they choose it for good reasons like it could be same-sex marriages it could be that they I've had clients who go down that road because they have a gene, a gene for like a cancer or, and they don't want to pass that on to their child. So they want to test the embryos to make sure they don't pass that on. I have clients who just do it because they want to be able to choose what gender it is. Like nowadays there's a lot of reasons and you know, and it works like it's your choice. You live this life how you want to, and we have the options and interventions. And if it works for you and your mind frame, I support it. I love it. I think everybody for themselves. And I think, um, and so I would say if somebody by like, if somebody, you know, here's the thing that people don't understand in fertility or having, trying to conceive, deciding you want to have a baby. Every time you get your period after you make that decision, it's a little bit of a heartbreak. So I wouldn't want somebody to wait a year to come and see me. I'd rather they wait like three to six months. Yeah. And then we start working on it, you know, because I, why put yourself through that? Like, don't, 100%. don't, do that. and there might be like little tiny things that I can tweak or a, an acupuncturist who specializes in fertility can tweak or talk to your OB, like, don't wait because some, some of us are hyper vigilant and vigilant, hyper vigilant. And we go like too far and we 
are automatically like assuming there's a problem when it's like, okay, you just started be patient and others can just be like, Oh, it'll happen. And everybody's like, Oh, calm down. Don't worry. It'll happen when the time is right. But if your gut is telling you something's off, like listen to it because there's, if for no, no other reason, like doing a few simple tests, will give you peace of mind that, okay, now I can relax and know that I can keep trying naturally. Or Mm. I'm glad I looked at that and now I know I have something to deal with. So I don't think we need to procrastinate on it because that can cause anxiety, more heartbreak, more depression. And, you know, I think that we have the diagnosis, we have the, the diagnostics and we have the treatments for a lot of these things. So why not utilize them? <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And you, last but not least, and then I'll, I'll let you go, even though I want so much more of you. Um, we'll do another one because it's fun. I know, me. I can't wait. You've mm. taught me about the importance of liver when it comes to hormone balance and all of that and gut yeah. health. Can you speak to that a little bit more and like what that means and how to cleanse those things and find balance. What I'll say is that some people's livers have a harder time detoxing. Like there's some genetic snips that could come up positive. That could mean that your body actually doesn't detox. It doesn't methylate. It's like, uh, and THR is the genetic sips. And if you have that, then it's naturally harder for your body to detox. You have to be extra careful. Like you don't have as much wiggle room when it comes to um, alcohol or B vitamins. You have to make sure you're taking them in a methylated form. Otherwise they're toxic. Um, and you have to just take better care of your liver. Um, so that is something that is becoming more understood and more doctors are testing for it, but it is a good thing to kind of know if you have those genetic snips and if you have, if you're a carrier for MTHFR um, or CMT and the fertility doctors will usually look at that too, but liver, um, what's really important is that the hormones as they're detoxing out of your system, the estrogens in particular are going down the right pathways. And so we can tell that by some um, different hormone tests, more functional ones, but the liver is really like, it's a filter for the system. And a lot of things can build up in the liver and can cause more problems that can show up as skin conditions. It can show up as hormonal imbalances because it just gets congested. And sometimes people who've been on hormone replacement therapies or birth control, they might need a little bit more support in getting out those old hormones that have Stored. And the gut is really important as well for many reasons, but good and de- that's another place where we detox. Um, and it's also another place where we absorb nutrients in our small intestines. So making sure that our, we're getting proper absorptions and we have a good variety in our microbiome and that everything is moving through the system is important for our skin and for everything really in our body. Like it's those detox, especially now because there's so many things that we're exposed to in our environment, our air, our water, um, our body care products, our foods that it's important that we like help our body. And so, you know, not everybody needs to, I do a liver detox or I take some stuff like the, the clear bite powder. I really like the one that you're I doing. I know. I love it. I take, I always have a bottle and I just like every once in a while I'll do like a week or sometimes I'll do like three weeks in a row. Um, and there's great things like that, that you can do, but even things like drinking dandelion teas, nettle leaf teas, milk thistle, those are all really great. You can make like a whole pitcher and have it iced. And it's like a blend of those herbs and just drink mm. that. Throughout. It's, just, it's just good. And some people need more of that than others. So it's an easy way to make a nice summer iced tea <laughs> and clean your liver. I love too. that. Yeah. Last thing I'll ask, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll ask you all about how people can find you, support you, see you. Um, I don't know if this is a controversial question. I don't think so. But what are your thoughts on birth control? You know, it's, I guess it's, of course it's controversial, right? But here's, here's my stance on it. And I, I could, I'm a feminist and I couldn't consider myself a feminist if I was anti-birth control because Mm. I, 
that a woman has the right to choose what she wants to do with her body. And if she's not ready to procreate and she's not in a relationship and she's sexually active, she doesn't want to have an abortion. I think that it's a really good option. I also, on that note, think that there are other ways that aren't as effective, but they're pretty effective. And if you're cycle is pretty regular. You can, of course, there's condoms, which are pretty effective, but you can kind of really do natural family planning and really understand when you're ovulating, when you're fertile. And you could do that with the note, with the different apps that are available. Don't use those ones that are just telling, like estimating when you're ovulating somewhere in your period is because that is not accurate at all. You have to really like either do your basal body temperature, which is really hard, especially if you wake during the night, it's going to throw your values off. If you take aspirins or drink alcohol, it's going to throw your temperature off. Um, But there are ways to kind of either check the mucus or do ovulation predictor kits where you can kind of see when you're fertile and get a sense of your rhythm. And then you're just more careful during those days, but you're careful throughout the whole month, right? So it's not, you can still be active and, um, you know, but there's, there's also like, if you're having multiple partners, you know, you want to be cautious anyhow, and condoms really are a good idea because you don't want STDs, right? So it's, or you want to prevent that as well. So it's, but if you're in a monogamous relationship and you are then like maybe birth control would make a lot of sense. And I can't decide for people what's right because it's too complicated and it's not my business. Right. It's totally for that person. I know. I just feel like there's been this wave of a lot of women getting off the pill and feeling more connected to their body than ever. And that's exactly what happened to me. Like during COVID I had been on the pill for like seven years straight I felt like my body was telling me it was time to get off. Obviously I've been like detoxing those, all of the toxic chemicals in that breaking out, finally feeling like myself, the most normal, best periods of my entire life that I've ever had feeling like I know my body. And so like, for those reasons, I just feel like it's been, I feel like a lot of women are waking up to all these things and being like, wait, I want to take control of what I'm putting in my body. And so that's why I was curious to kind of Here's gauge. I say I am a hundred percent for women choosing to go on birth control for the purpose of birth control. I'm not a hundred percent for off-label uses of birth control to mask the symptoms of an imbalance in the body. I'm mm. for figure out the symptoms and what they're saying and let's try to correct those imbalances. So that's, that's where I I don't think, I think that there's, and, and it, I think there's some women who are better, handle better birth control better than others. And I think there's certain forms that are better for certain women and not totally. all doctors are. And there's also the copper birth control, which is like no hormones, it's copper. So maybe you need to increase your zinc because they have like a inverse relationship. Um, but not every woman's a candidate for that because if you have heavy periods, it can make your periods too heavy. And then that causes issues. So, you know, it's, it's really, uh, if a woman chooses to be on birth control, I support her and I'll put her on things that help her body process the metabolites of like her, their hormones. And I'll, if she chooses, you know, maybe she's like, no, I'm good worry about it. And, you know, and, and she probably, she probably will be fine, you know, and, but some women have a really hard time getting their cycles back after birth control, like two Mm. years, three years, I've seen it. Other women, they get off and they get pregnant right away and they have no issue. So this whole idea of like minimizing that we're really individuals and that what works for one person may not work for other people. Like, I'm not a fan of that. Like, let's, like, let's, let's look more into like who it works for and who is appropriate. Like if we really want to do no harm and we really want to practice good medicine, then let's, let's keep putting our efforts into seeing what's good for some people and what's not. And I think there's a lot so of doctors that, you know, it's, it's happening. We're in a really good totally. time. Stuff is happening right now. And we have good people like you that are taking care of us. And I come to your office and I feel so solid. Like even I just came to you and I was like, I really didn't want to get put on spirulactone or whatever, but I'm here, I'm doing it. I'm getting married. I don't want to deal with this. And you're like, 
cool. So this let's have you like simultaneously building up your liver and like working on your hormones. And I just feel like now when I do decide to get off it very soon, like post wedding, that my body is going to be in alignment. Thanks to you. And like, you've perfected that practice for me and for my needs and you do that for all of your patients. So what's right for you right now, long-term and short-term goals. And it's like, take the bandaid and we'll work on the underlying thing. And we'll take off. (laughs) You are amazing, Maria. Thank you for this. This was so beneficial. And I know everyone is going to want to hear so much more from you. There's so much more to talk about, about you being a mother, going through divorce, all of the things. I know you're an open book, um, doing a practice between California and Florida. You're a busy, busy woman. Um, and I, I feel like selfishly nervous putting this out because I'm going to be like, now the times when she's in California, she's going to be too booked by all the people I hopefully send to her. No. But where can people find you? How can they get in touch with you? How can they see you? Give us all the clinic names, links, websites, Instagram, email. So right now, um, as you said, I'm, I just went through a divorce. So I, um, I have my own personal website, mariavalella.com. I'm working on- Can you spell on, that? Yeah, for, M- for sure. M-A-R-I-A-V- as in Victor, I-L-L-E-L-L-A, um, and then .com. And that's where like you can find my the locations of, I practice in Santa Monica and Sarasota. And um, I do telemedicine as well. So if you're not in either of those locations, we can do telemedicine. I'm only in Santa Monica once a month. So if, if you need more support than once a month, we could always work through telemedicine as well. And um, I will be going to Santa Monica actually next weekend and um, through my website, you can book online, but especially if you're a new client, but it's better to contact me because I can get you more precise appointment times and I have more availability than what is often listed. I try, I don't want to like overbook and sometimes people will book and then I'll like reschedule them to a better time. I'll contact them, but I'm really good. If you text or email me, you can text the number on my website or you can email me. And I'm really responsive because all of the texts come right to my cell phone. So I'm, if I don't get back to you within like 24 hours, it's usually more like one or two, but if for some reason I don't by 24 hours, text me again or email me again, cause somehow it didn't get to me, but, and okay. we can make it. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful for you. I will see you next weekend for our acupuncture and microneedling and thank you for your time. And obviously your knowledge, it's so comprehensive and amazing and inspiring that we can take controls control of our body in this way and like have autonomy over it and have the resources like you and you are so thoughtful and patient and giving to all your clients and coming to you is like therapy so (laughs) thank you thank you you, Jenny I can't wait to see you and give you you big hugs soon and have the best pure bar class thank you thank you darling ciao ciao ciao. Bye. bye bye